Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes. I'm Dustin Smith. Got Shad Martin here, and we're uh, looking forward to talking to you today. Um, Shad, I want to throw something out at you right away. Um, we've, we've discussed this in years past. We briefly had a conversation about it recently. So I want to throw this out at you and just get talking. I know you have an interview that you did with a couple people that we can hop into and and uh, look at as well, some athletes that you talked to about this topic. But I want to throw this out at you. There are things that we all want to be better at, right? Whether that's as a dad or as a mom or as, as a coach, you athletes, there, there are, are things in your sport that you want to be better at. Why don't we make more of an effort to reach out to people who are good at that thing or who are better than us at that thing and ask them for help? Because it's my experience that we will we would rather go online or rather uh, find a book or something and try to become an expert at something, do it privately, rather than go and and ask somebody or talk to somebody who's already good at that thing and ask them for help. And I think it's because by doing so, we are admitting to somebody that we're not as good as them and we don't want to do that. <laughs> and I think we waste a lot of time. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, in reflecting on that, I think of one experience I've shared with you about this before, but my best friend growing up, Chris Paxton, uh, man, that guy could hit a ball. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, from age, I, I played against him in Little League. He hit a ball over the lights in Little League off of me. We were a <laughs> rival Little Leagues, you know. And um, I remember an experience I had with Chris. I don't remember if it was my sophomore or junior year, but we worked hard together. We put in a lot of work together, and uh, we would go and take BP um, at our high school field. And at our high school field in the outfield beyond the fence in our high school field was all the little league fields. And so sometimes if there were games and practices going on, little kids would sit there and watch us take BP. Mm -hmm. And Chris was so incredible. Um, I'm not kidding. I think when I would, I would throw BP behind the L screen there and Chris, Chris would hit three, four, five home runs out of every 10. I mean, the guy would just Mm -hmm. rocket the ball. Um, and I remember being so jealous of that, you know, every, everyone digs the long ball, right? Like that's every person's dream. That's, <laughs> that's not exactly the kind of player I was. Um, but I wanted to hit the ball over the wall and I would get up and, uh, and I warning track power. I mean, just, I felt like I was disappointing all the little league kids, you know, that would, that would watch us take BP. And then one time I get up there and Chris says this thing to me that I would literally say to myself so many, like thousands and thousands of times for the rest of my baseball career. It was a teammate of mine who was the same age as me. Um, people had compared us our whole lives um, coming up. And he said, dude, throw your hips, hit the ball with your hips, mm-hmm. not your arms. 
And that concept to me, for whatever reason, it, it was like the simplest little change, mm-hmm. but the next pitch or two, I throw my hips and the ball goes over the wall and both of them. And this told me a lot about Chris and he's jumping up and down, yeah. you know, like he's all excited for me and uh, we're both just celebrating together. When I'm playing college baseball, I'm sitting there doing T work. And what am I saying over and over again yeah, in my throw mind? Your hips, throw right? my hips. Yeah. Throw my hips. So something a teammate taught me went on and, and really helped me. I mean, I started to hit with more power. Well, you said something interesting there. That you brushed over it, how Chris reacted. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that. Um, so I, I kind of want for those listeners to, to think about this for a second. Anytime we've gone to somebody, I'm going to use me as an example. If I've ever had somebody come to me, and ask me for help in something that that they feel like I could provide some help in. I admit that I immediately feel complimented. I feel happy, right? Because they're acknowledging that I do something well and they want my help in it. And I think that that's fair to say that anybody would feel that way. You you can't help but feel cool, right? Yeah, they, they, they want my help in something. They think I'm good at this and they've asked me to help them. So as a result of that, I become very, very much interested in their success, right? Like I'm genuinely invested in, invested in their success. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I want to see them be, because they, they're kind of, you know, I'm the, I'm the teacher now, right? They're my student. I want to see them do well. Um, and so I have a, a genuine interest in watching them. If, if I want to be good at gardening, uh, I'm not, so, <laughs> so I'm, and I don't really want to be. <laughs> but, but for example, my wife's good at it. For example, if that ever changes and I decide I want to be good at gardening, um, I can go and I could go online. I could read articles. I could go to the library and get books. There's a lot of things I could do to learn and go out through trial and error. And and I'm sure eventually figure out how to be better at, at gardening and maybe even be good at it. Or I can go talk to some neighbors I know who are really good at it and spend one Saturday morning with them out in their garden and give, ask them for some advice or some tips and probably learn years and years worth of trial and error and and mistakes and, and right from one morning with someone who's good at gardening, but it would take me going to them and saying, I don't know, I'm not good at this. And can you help me? Help me get started on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think we do a lot of that. I don't think we do it as parents. I don't think we, we have the humility to go up to other parents and say, Hey, you're really good at, I, I see you interact with your kids. I want to be better at that. How do you do that? What do you do? I don't think we do it in business. I don't think as business people that it's our, and, and we might to some degree, but I don't think that most people want to go to somebody else and admit that, you know, they're better at business than, than they are. And how do they do that? Um, I think at some level we do, but I think we could do more at it. And I think we'd be, or be better at doing more. And I think we would be wise to teach our kids in, as it relates to athletics if you want to be better at ball handling, go talk to a teammate that's really good at ball handling and ask them what they do. You'll not only strengthen your relationship with that teammate, but probably learn some cool things from your teammate that you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out your own online or go talk to somebody and admit they're better at you and at you at that and ask for their help. Yeah. I, one of my big regrets is I look at back at high school and anyone, any of my former teammates who were watching this, if you were to say, what was Shag good at in basketball? I guarantee you, you could shoot it. I could yeah, shoot. I've played with you before. I, I can shoot her. Um, I had a few teammates. Uh, Marcus Carr 
was a was a sophomore when I was a senior. But I remember when I was a junior and he was a freshman, I was watching him handle the ball and just doing some things with the ball. And I was like, that that kid is gifted. Well, he is really gifted, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, to this day. He's, yeah, he's gone on and done, uh, done some incredible things yeah. overseas in basketball, had a great college career. But I remember watching him and thinking, gosh, I wish I could – I could dribble like that. I remember watching Jerome Payton um, just lock down people. Now, some of that was absolute athleticism. Sure. And Mike Hamlin, just we had these two guards on our team that really I mean, took us to the CIF semifinal. They just locked people down. I mean, you couldn't do anything against them. I tried. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe I didn't have the gifts that they had athletically. But what like as we have this conversation – I never went to Marcus and I never said, help me, help me to dribble the way you dribble. What drills do you do? Like, yeah. how have you got that way? Maybe, maybe I wouldn't get to the level like Sheldon talked, uh, Sheldon Martin uh, talked last week on our podcast about that, um, that zone of competency, mm-hmm. the reaction range is, yeah. is what he called it. Um, maybe mine wasn't as high. Like I couldn't, become as good of a ball handler as Marcus Carr or Maurice Wright. Um, maybe I couldn't have become as good of a defender as Jerome Payton or Mike Hamlin. Yeah. But if I would have went to them and said, help me, like, what do you do? How, how do you defend? What do you think about when you defend? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you look at? Where, where are you looking? What are you doing? Uh, I could have been better. Yeah. And if I would have been a better ball handler, a better defender, and still a great shooter, my team would have been better. I would have been better. Yeah. But what did I do? What do you think I did? When I had spare time and I wanted to put in extra hours in basketball, what did I go you do? You went and shot. I shot, man. Yeah. That's that's what you were good at. It made you feel good. It made you feel like you're – we all like to go do things that we can get instant validation that we're, we're getting better, we're good at it, right? So if, if I'm, I'm guessing if you're – and I know you're a good – you were a good shooter and are a good shooter – you go out and shoot for an hour and you make 70, 80% of those jump shots and you probably leave the gym feeling like, man, I am a good basketball player, yeah. right? I'm awesome. And, and anyone watching me would be like, yeah. dang, that guy can shoot. Yeah. Not knowing that I can't dribble with my yeah. left hand very well. I had a college <laughs> college coach, basketball coach. Um, she used to coach up at the University of Utah. She, I remember talking to her years ago, this was 15 years ago, specifically about this subject because she was talking about how many games kids are now playing in the AAU circuit and how busy they get in the summer playing games. And there's some benefits to playing more games. You have more, you know, for competitive uh, advantages and and being in competition and, and, and that sort of thing. But she specifically talked about what she was noticing with a lot of kids is that the, the weaknesses weren't getting developed because Nobody in, in her in the basketball world, if you don't dribble well with your off hand, your left hand, let's say, nobody is going to work on their left hand when they're in an AAU basketball game with coaches watching them and people watching them. And, and if they're not good at their left hand, they're going to go to their strength. In your case, you're going to go to your jump shot. You're going to do whatever you can do to get that jump shot off because you know there's a good chance you're going to be successful at that. And so what happens is they don't develop. The, the weaknesses stay weak. The strengths continue to to stay strong. And what we need to do is probably get in the gym and have somebody 
pound us on our weaknesses for an hour or two. And, but that takes us being willing to fail a little bit. And, yeah. and I think as, as these kids that are coming up as coaches and as parents, uh, we would be smart to talk with them a little bit more about, you know, what is it that you're not good at? Be honest about it. How do you get better at that? And start with, go talk to somebody that's good at it. Admit that they're better than you, but say you want to get better and will they help you? And that's for us as adults as well. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me, um, we talked in a previous podcast um, with McKenna Miller, Asu, yeah. who's an All-American volleyball player. And she said something that I'm being reminded of right now during this, this conversation about, I asked her the question, um, what do you wish you would have known in high school that you, that you learned when you came to this, you know, nationally renowned volleyball program? Mm-hmm. If you could go back and talk to McKenna Miller, what do you wish you would have known? And it's interesting. Let's take a listen real quick to what she says. I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned that I wish I would have known in high school, whatever, um, is just the importance of humility and not in the sense that probably everyone thinks, but I think just being able to be honest with yourself and admit that you can work on things and you can be better at things. And I feel like the longer you play a sport, the easier it is to get like good enough and be be comfortable being good enough and not thinking that you need to try much harder because what you're doing is already good. And like, I can always get better. And that's kind of just with life. You can always get better at something. And it's really easy to just coast once you're good enough, always be looking for what you can improve and being able to take that feedback without getting offended, I think is something I wish I would have learned before I came to BYU. So Shad, she said uh, a handful of things in there that I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Uh, You know, McKenna, and and for those of you that don't know McKenna, she was was an All-American. Is that what you Mm -hmm. said she was at BYU, right? Volleyball player. Um, Several things jumped out, but the one that jumped out to me was, uh, was the good enough comment. She said that it's, it's easy to, to not go and do the extra because you're already good enough. And for a lot of these, these high school kids that we meet, um, they're good enough. They're good enough to make the team. They're good enough to probably start. Many of them are good enough that they're the best on the team. They probably don't have a lot of people telling them that anything other than you, Hey, you're good enough. You're, you're really good. They've had that their whole life. Maybe they're a little bit taller, or a little bit faster than somebody their whole life. And so they've always been good enough until they're not right. And then when they're not, it's, it's can be a rude awakening. And I, I, every time we talk about this with athletes, I, I, I like to redirect it back to after sports, because I hope that the athletes that listen to this will be more interested in what we discuss and more interested in the principles of, of especially for athletes after they're done playing. They all have life lessons to them. And for adults listening to our podcast, I hope that they'll listen to this in that sense of how this helps me now as an adult. Good enough, it's, it's so hard to that's so relative. It, it, who tells you you're good enough, right? If, if you're good enough to make the high school team, you're good enough to start, you're good enough to get a scholarship in her case to BYU. But what were you capable of? You were capable of being so much more. But if I tell you you're good enough at that and you stop at that because that got you to the goal that you had set as an eight-year-old, the goal was to make the high school team and play and you did it. 
and you stopped right there. Your ceiling was so much higher. You could have been so much better, but you let good enough stop your progression, right? Because to admit that you could have been better in her case would have, there's a humility aspect that she got into there. It would have, it would have taken, uh, it takes somebody or us being willing to listen to somebody giving us the truth and saying, Hey, you're good enough, but you're not good enough to move on at the next level or to be great at the next level, unless you want to do this, this, and this. And as an athlete or as an adult, we have to have the humility at that point to acknowledge, accept that and do something about it rather than push back and say, no, I'm good enough. I don't need that. I'm already, I've already got it figured out. That's a quick way to have that come to an end. As she talked about it, it got hard for her going from freshman to sophomore and realizing that good enough wasn't anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I love that concept of just thinking through, um, you know, what, what am I aiming for here? That's why we, one of our principles is seek to be your best, not the best, because I, I do think that there is this kind of um, illusion of greatness. You know what I mean? Like this uh, sometimes you have this high school player who, who is really, really good. They may be the best on their team. So all the teammates look up to them, everyone. And, but they don't realize how great they could, they could be as, as you've talked about. That's why sometimes, especially at the high school level, you have these former college coaches who've gone on, or these former college athletes who've gone on to play college sports and then they come back. So they've seen it at the higher level and they can look at a kid and say, look, I know you're good. Okay. You're good. You need to be way better. Yeah. I've seen beyond. Right. And, um, and, and so I think it's important to seek that out. One thing she said is to be humble enough to, to accept that. I think one of the things that we're saying is that that's one level of humility Another level, even a higher level, maybe, is being having enough humility to go to people and to seek it. Yeah. Not just accept correction from a coach, but to go to to find someone, even a, um, you know, with your QB elite that you do, mm-hmm. um, to seek it from a competitor, even. Yeah. You know, to watch a competitor carve up an offense and you're on the other sideline. And to connect with them and be like, hey, can we can we get together? I'd love to. I'd like to learn something. Most from you. of the best of the best do that. I know the the quarterbacks. If you look in the NBA, you'll you you hear all the time of guys who will go and work out with guys in the summer. And and there, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in those discussions because I I know that Chris Paul, for example, and Donovan Mitchell did some things together a summer or two ago. I I can guarantee you that Chris Paul wasn't giving Donovan Mitchell all of his secrets because they're <laughs> he's still they're still competing with yeah. each other. But Chris Paul helps him, you know, and, and did help him. Michael Jordan helped Kobe Bryant, right? I mean, they 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 lean on each other and they want to help each other and they want to progress the game. And to our point earlier. Most of us, if somebody comes to us and wants our advice and help in something, we're going to be eager to give it. We want to give it. We want to share. It's just a human nature to want to to feel appreciated and to have somebody want your insight or your expertise in something to want to share that. It just yeah. it's it, it's going to happen. And and to our point earlier, you can learn a lot more from asking somebody who's better than you at something to help you then you're going to learn searching for it online or, or on a book. There's a quote that I love that said, wise people learn from their own experiences. Super wise people learn from others, right? That it, it, it seek out 
others' experiences, good and bad, learn from it. But that takes humility and it takes us being as adults, it takes us as dads, you know, in, in our situation, maybe as dads or, or as husbands to realize that we may be doing a pretty good job, but we can do better. Who's doing a good job at it? Who do we look up to as dads or as husbands and go and talking to them and asking them for help? And so that would be a challenge I'd issue to adults listen to this and to the kids listening to that, to even today, think about something that you, whatever it is, any area of life that you feel like you could be better at, that you'd like to be better at. And before you go online and ask Google to answer it for you, call somebody that you know that's better at that and ask them for help and advice. Yeah. You'll deepen a relationship with the person you talk to. They will feel flattered by that. They, and, and if they care for you at all, they're going to be very interested in seeing you get better. And they're going to want to help you. So you're going to strengthen a relationship and you're going to learn a lot more from a 20-minute conversation with that person, I believe, than uh, 20 minutes of reading a book about it. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. You know, it, it's reminding me. Uh, we've done some pos- some past podcasts with Justin Sua, yeah, um, mental strength coach, uh, performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he talked about a couple of concepts. Um, one concept he talked about was the illusion of fluency, and, and this goes back to some of the things that we're that we're addressing, and, and part of the humility aspect that McKenna may be addressed. And even my experience with shooting, for example, sometimes when we don't do what you just said, we create within ourselves this illusion of fluency. We think we're really good. For example, me, I think I'm a really good basketball player because I can shoot Yeah. until I play against Mike Hamlin or Jerome Payton. And I realize that an incredible defender, like if you're a shooter, you're not you can't even use that skill with someone unless you have some of the skills that like Marcus Carr had to be able to get yourself to to get myself a shot. Yeah. And so you create this illusion of fluency and people like, man, you're such a good shooter. You're such a good shooter. And uh, maybe let's give a listen to what Justin said. I I love what he said about this. Here's Justin Sua. When you set a goal to be great at what you do, a lot of people underestimate how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. A lot of times the amateur athlete wants to do the thing they're already good at doing. They wanna dribble, they're good at dribbling with the right hand, you just wanna stick with your right hand. If you have a certain move that you're really good at, you just wanna practice that same move over and over again. And then you paint this, give yourself this illusion of fluency. What the illusion of fluency simply means is you're, you, you've kind of painting this picture that you, you know what you're doing, but you really don't know what you're doing because you know what you're doing in a certain aspect because you've only trained those things that you love to do. It's like going into the gym and doing bicep curls. We love bicep curls. We love bench press, but what about hamstrings? What about squats? What about those, those muscles that you just don't enjoy working out, but you need to, in order to have this holistic approach to, to health and fitness, the same thing with being a student, which with being an athlete is you want to circle in, in large or, or we call it enhance your circle of competence. Competence basically is your ability to do something. How competent are you? And so the more you work on your weaknesses, you enlarge in that circle even more and even more and even more and get better and better and better as opposed to just focusing on that tiny section that you're really good at. You brought up confidence, first of all. For some reason, 
uh, it's just a, it's a buzzword that a lot of parents, a lot of coaches, and a lot of athletes want to say, got to build his confidence, got to build his confidence, or got to build her confidence or be confident. You hear it all the time. And it's, it's, intri- it's intriguing to me that just the word confidence and the science of confidence, which is self-efficacy and in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the science world and the psychology world. But let's take a look at confidence a little bit, man. And hopefully my job isn't to tell people what to think, but how to think and to, and to provide more principles and science to broaden perspective around certain terms like resilience and like confidence. I think confidence is one of the biggest... Um, I think it's one of the biggest uh, overrated phrases and, and, and things that people seek. And here's why. We learn, for those who go to school, you'll learn in your, in, your beha- in your research classes, this two concepts, causation and correlation. You'll learn about causation and correlation. Correlation simply remains uh, related to. So confidence is correlated to success. So it's correlated, meaning it's related to. You'll see, you'll watch someone win the Super Bowl, see someone win the World Series, the game, and or even your even young athletes. Oh, I was confident. Oh, I believed in myself. She believed in herself. The coach believed in them. You hear it all the time. There is definitely a correlation between in confidence and success. However, there is not a causation. Just because you're confident doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And so so we've all had moments where we were confident and we didn't succeed. And then there are moments when we weren't confident and you did succeed or you did win. What does that teach you about confidence? It's fickle. You can't control it. So why are you trying to control it? Um, Be confident. Oh, great. If I could be confident, because if if we were confident, if it was controllable, you'd want to be confident all the time. But we learn it doesn't necessarily cause success. What oftentimes is overlooked in this algorithm of confidence and success is another C word, which we've been talking about, is competence. Again, competence is your ability to do something. I will say this. Um, yeah, I won't say his name, but there is a player um, just for, for, again, for confidentiality purposes. If I said his name, you'd all know who it is. Um, one of the greatest baseball players in baseball to this day, like one of the best. And what's interesting is if you were to ask him, are you confident? And he would say, nope, I'm not confident. I don't believe in myself. Oh, but he's one of the best. I'll vividly remember him saying, oh, I'm not too confident today. He goes up to the plate, hits a double off one of the best players in the the game, scores, comes back and he's like, man, I wasn't confident stepping up at the box. And he does it over and over and over. So here he is, he lacks confidence, but what he doesn't lack is competence. He's put in the hours to be great. He's put in the hours when no one's watching. So his skill set, his ability to hit a 99 to 102 mile an hour fastball is really high, really high because he put in the work. You can be successful if you have competence, but you don't have confidence. But if you have confidence, Without competence, you look like those singers on American Idol who go out there and sing terribly, horribly, and they're like, oh, you got, and they they don't get the golden ticket, and they're like, oh, you're missing out, you're jealous. It's like, no, you are a terrible singer, but they're just crazy to think that, no, I'm great, because their confidence, they're feeding their confidence without feeding their competence. So as parents and coaches, um, to help our children succeed, 
it's less about confidence, uh, less about asking them how you feel. How do you feel? What do you feel? It's not about how they feel because your their feelings aren't going to be on the scoreboard. What's going to be on the scoreboard is what they do. What's their purpose? What's their focus? What's their intention? And to and to build instead of chasing confidence, chase competence. Help kids be better as opposed to feel better. And one of my favorite proverbs to, to, to analogous to this is a Russian proverb that says, a bird can rest peacefully on a branch, not because of its trust in the branch, but because of its trust in its ability to fly. And so basically that's meaning for all the kids and parents who are listening, it's, it's a lot of times we have confidence in our ability to shoot or confidence in your ability to throw a fastball or curveball or hit the, the short game in golf. But what if that's not there? What if it's not there that game? So what happens to your confidence? Your confidence should be rested and founded in your ability to be resilient, in your ability to learn from adversity, in your ability to adapt. Think your ability, in essence, your ability to fly. Uh, and so, so that is that don't misplace your confidence. So I love that idea of the illusion of fluency. You know, it just makes me think about, do I have illusions that I'm better at some things than I actually am? Yeah, we all do. And and I think of just how wise McKenna was. Think about that. I mean, if you could go back and tell yourself anything, all American volleyball player, if you could go back to high school and tell yourself anything, what would you tell yourself? Her answer was, humility. I would tell myself, maybe you aren't as good at everything as you think you are and, and be open to that. And, and I love what you've added and and what you've taught and, and reflecting back on my own athletics and, and every other area of my life. If, if we can have the humility to approach people who are great at what we want to be great at and learn from them and then do something to become more proficient in that area. That is how we can improve much more efficiently in our life. If we want to pretend that we're competent and wonderful at everything and kind of just stick to what we're good at and pretend we have no weaknesses and never ask anyone any questions about what they're good at, because we want them to think that, yeah, we're good at that too. We just don't want to let that shine or whatever, you know, there's no growth (sighs) in that. We hold ourselves back. Yeah, we hold ourselves back. What is it that produces competence? So if we want to be a a confident, high-performing athlete, Mm -hmm. we need to be competent. Well, what is it that produces competence? Mm -hmm. We've addressed some things. It's knowledge. How do we gain that knowledge? That's what we're talking about today. You got to seek it. You got to seek it out. Don't don't let the illusion of competence in one area blind you from your incompetence in other areas. Um, how do you become competent? You go and you seek out someone who's really good at that and you ask them, how did you get good at that? <laughs> and so, so if we want to produce competence, it's more than just yeah. time. It's working smart. Yeah. It's, and so yeah. anyway, that's where I, I like go that. with that. Competence is, is understanding. How do you understand? You have to ask and how, to ask, you got to be humble. Yeah. And you got to be willing to do the work. So here's our challenge. Yeah. Right. Is our, our challenge is find something that you need to be more competent in to be great at whatever it is you're seeking mm-hmm. to be great at. Seek out advice, counsel. What do they do to be great at it? Yeah. And yeah. then um, do the work. 
Like do something this mm. week, do something that someone who is great at that does. Yeah. And like, that's how we develop competence. And that's how we can face life and athletics with, with confidence Mm-hmm. is if we develop competence and and what we've talked about today will really help develop competence yeah. that really is the the definition of our motto at especially for athletes which is eyes up do the work eyes up is making yourself making ourselves aware of things right it's looking seeing and enlightening ourselves whether that's with with knowledge whether that's with you know performance it's it's recognizing that there's an area that we can get better at or an area in the world that can be approved upon. And then we have to do the work, eyes up, do the work. And that's where the bottleneck happens. Eyes up, that transition to doing the work is where the bottleneck happens. That's where things stop. It's real easy to see issues in society, issues in our culture and our community that need addressing, that need attention, to recognize it, to agree with it, to say that I absolutely 100% believe that needs to be improved upon. Or in my own life, I absolutely believe that that's true. I could be better at that. I need to be better at that. I get it. My eyes are up. I see it now. I'm enlightened. It's a whole different thing to then have the humility to admit that I'm, I need to get better at that. And I'm willing to go and try to get better at that, knowing that it's going to be difficult because I'm not good at it. I might struggle. I might be out of place. It might be awkward, but it's important enough to me to try and to do the work. And so in the case of these athletes, if there's something that you want to be better at us as adults, there's areas that we need to be better at. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves. And I think we would be super wise to then go and talk to people that are good at that, ask them for their help and advice, and then be willing to go and do it. Yeah. And if we'll do that, it will hasten our progression so much more. Yeah, I agree. You know, so much more. And, and I love that idea. I, I was in a professional conversation recently where someone said, well, if we put these matrix into place, will it shake the confidence of, of people? You know, yeah. And um, I was like, ah, I don't know that we should worry about that. Like if someone has cancer, the first step to getting rid of the cancer is realizing you have it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have high blood pressure, the first, the first step to addressing it is knowing that you have it. Yeah. But we spend so much of our time in denial and and just wanting to create the illusion that we're we're competent at everything. Yeah. And I love that 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 bottleneck you talked about between eyes up and do the work. One thing that can open up that bottleneck is just doing what we've talked about today: approaching someone who's great mm-hmm. and say, "Help me get better at this. Yep. Help me know." I stink at budgeting. What do you do? You know, I, man, your, your kids just seem to love you. And I want my kids to love me like that. Um, Can I just take you to lunch? Let's talk about that. You know, and, and to those athletic examples we've already shared that willingness to do that is, is a key to progression as McKenna shared with us, that humility to do that. So, so we encourage you to go do that. And we also encourage you to go back. This is our 10th episode. Um, We encourage you to go back and listen to the other nine. If this is the first one that you've, you've had a chance to listen to, we've had some great conversations with some great people on those past ones. Yeah. Eyes up, do the work. Thank you for following us and please share it. 
let your friends and family know if you like what you're listening. If you have ideas or things that you'd like us to talk about or ask experts to come on and discuss, please send those to us. We've got a, a lineup of great interviews coming and, and topics we're going to get into and discuss. And I think you, uh, if, if you're new to Especially for Athletes, please go to the website, learn a little bit about the program and what we're doing to help uh, coaches and parents and athletes around the country. Uh, you can go to especiallyforathletes.org or follow us on social media. Thanks. Eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book. Yeah.